Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Welcome, everyone, to the Never Say Die podcast. I'm your host, TJ, and with me again, as always, is our NHL expert and analyst, the grumpy old man. They say there's no shame in his game because he's always the same. I almost forgot your little tagline at the end, grumpy old man. That's all right. You did. And I'm just telling the people, this is the third time we're starting this podcast because TJ could not pronounce the word Red Wing. He called them the Wed Wings. He thought he was Elmer Fudd. And I just had to bring that up. And actually, you did mention my tagline the first two times, but I think you were so flustered over the, the Wed Wings that you forgot it the last time. But we're not starting again, even though you bungled this one too. Continue, please. Yeah, I'm just not very articulate late at night, I guess you could say. Um, but we're recording this podcast here on Sunday evening after the Islanders played the San Jose Sharks. Um, a little trade deadline action coming at us tomorrow on Monday. A lot of things, a pre-trade deadline podcast. Um, but we have three games to comment on, and I guess we'll kind of go ahead and kick off the podcast in that manner. Um, the Islanders played on Wednesday the Colorado Avalanche, and we lost and were dominated. We scored a late goal uh, with the goalie pulled, almost a consolation goal. Then we went ahead and beat the Detroit Red Wings. The Red Wings. Ve- the Red <laughs> Wings, that's correct. We beat the Red Wings in a um, it, it, the way we should have taken care of business. I mean, they're the worst team in the NHL. They're going to have the worst goal differential in the history of the NHL. So the Red Wings are the worst team, some might even argue, of all time. Um, If you're looking at goal differential. Yeah, not for me. They're not the worst team of all time. I've seen worse teams in the Red Wings. They're not not good, though. They're the worst team in the NHL by far this year. Um, You know, and you're right. We should have beat them. And honestly, uh, that's a game where we kind of almost let them slide back in in the third period. uh, After carrying the play, the first two. And the Colorado game, as you mentioned earlier, was, you know, we didn't get to mention on the Wednesday podcast because we did it early. It was a late night game and there was no, I'm, I'm glad that we didn't wait up till after the game to talk about that one because you're right. We were dominated and I just feel a team, once again, a team with speed and skill gives us a whole lot of trouble. Um, that said, uh, we did play San Jose today. Another team that's kind of on the ropes right now. Um, you have their missing, they were missing, uh, Eric Carlson is out for the year. Logan Couture, probably Thomas Hurdle, right. 
Uh, Logan Couture, probably the best offensive player in Thomas Hurdle, just right off the All-Star break. Uh, and they're, like I said, they're a team in trouble. And uh, we should have beaten them, and we carried the play most of the game against them too. So two games that we really had to win, we did. Thank goodness. Well, we took care. We took care of business and the way we needed to against those teams. Again, as we mentioned on air, if you lost to the Red Wings and even the San Jose Sharks, you're you're in trouble at that point in time. I mean, the Sharks are really in a conundrum because we've talked about them even earlier on in the season. They've got a lot of long contracts to a lot of older defensemen and a lot of older players, and it's really going to wind up rearing its head. And, I mean, this year they don't have a first-round draft pick. The Ottawa Senators have their first-round draft pick. So I can guarantee you they're a little upset with the way that's panned out for them, at least at the moment. Yeah, I'm surprised they haven't moved some players, try to clear some salary cap, do whatever they could. Uh, you know, Joe, Joe Thornton is probably their best player right now. Uh, you know, it was interesting You see today I see Patrick Marlowe blowing by Johnny Boychuk. I mean, he's 41 years old. And uh, it's just another, you know, instance where Johnny's kind of kind of come to the tail end of a really a wonderful career, I think. Yeah. I, I, again, I, you're not you're not saying anything I don't agree with, grumpy old man, in that manner. Um, I will say, again, it was comforting to see us take care of business against the, the cellar dwellers of the league. But it's going to be interesting to see what the Islanders do come the NHL trade deadline. Um, there's not really many options out there right now, I can say. Uh, just before, actually just mid, right now in the podcast, Grumpy Old Man, the uh, Washington Capitals have traded for Ia Kovachuk. Yeah, they got him for a song, like a third-round pick. This is the last year of his deal. I think his cap hit $700,000. Um, a potentially high-risk, low re- uh, or low-risk, high-reward uh, pickup for them. Uh, they'll probably spot him. He'll probably have some power play, second power play time. Uh, I don't know how much of a regular shift he'll get, uh, but he certainly did since he was moved earlier in the year to Montreal. He's kind of resurrected his career somewhat. So I think that was a good pickup for them. Probably takes them out of any uh, Chris Kreider sweepstakes. Um, but I think that was a. I think that's actually a pretty good move for Washington. I, I actually watched the Washington Pittsburgh game earlier today. And those are two teams that are going to give us a lot of trouble if we if we make the playoffs and if we play them in the first round. That's the, that's going to be a tough matchup for us. Yeah, and you're talking about a Pittsburgh team who we talked about in this last offseason. Their window is so finite where they had so many different star-studded players who were getting up there in age. What did they do to address it? They traded Phil Kessel in the offseason to try to go ahead and get younger. And they got Alex Galchenyuk back in return. They made another move moving Galchenyuk this year. But they tried to address a little bit of that age issue, which we kind of talked about. But their window is still so finite with guys like Crosby, Malkin, Latang getting up there in age. Yeah, very interesting. They uh, Malkin scored a really pretty goal today. Made uh, John Carlson gave him an old nutmeg and then beat Holt. Uh, beat Holtby. It was it was it was a nice play. It's his twelfth year that he scored twenty goals or more. Uh, which is the same amount as Crosby, uh, who has 12 goal, tw- 20 goals, 12 years, in, not in a row, but 12 years with the Penguins. And that ties him with Mario Lemieux. So you're talking about, you know, three Hall of Fame players for the same franchise scoring 20 goals over 12 seasons. 
and you're talking about a finite time frame, I tell you what, Mike Sullivan's done a really nice job moving Kessel was a salary dump. Uh, Galchenyuk didn't work out, and they moved him for, uh, was it Tucker? Jason Tucker from Minnesota, I believe. Yes. And he's actually done a nice job for them. So, you know, maybe Galchenyuk wasn't a fit, but Tucker certainly has been. And, good, you know, I'll be honest with you, good for them. Uh, they're doing the right thing. Um, I don't, I'm not sure who their GM right now. I think Jim Rutherford is no longer the GM there. You might have to check up on that for me. Uh, but their GM did a nice job, uh, you know, turning Kessel and his huge contract into a guy who actually can perform for your team in Jason Tucker. So I thought that was a really nice move. Uh, like I said, I thought that both teams looked really good today. I don't think their defense is great. Uh, but they have firepower and they have grit and toughness. And that's something that, you know, that today was a playoff game between those two teams. You know, I just want to talk about uh, a couple of the other teams. You know, we went on a four-game losing streak. It gave Philadelphia a chance to move into the third spot. And that's almost pretty cemented. I'm not going to say cemented down, but they have 77 points, I believe, right now. And we're in a real dogfight with uh, Columbus. Carolina, ourselves, um, and I think Florida is – well, Florida's a couple points back, but it's going to be a real battle for those last two wild card spots. Yes, it is. And I just want to confirm, yes, Jim Rutherford still is the GM. Okay, um, yeah, and I thought he did a good job uh, addressing team needs and kind of filling gaps. I mean, remember, they lost Gensel and they lost Crosby for a significant time this season. They were also missing Latang for a short stretch as well. I mean, they definitely dealt with the injury bug to premier players on their team. And to see them still where they are in the standings and how they were able to bounce back from that, that's what you want to see uh, an organization be able to do. When players do go down, they have that next man up mentality. And Grumpy Old Man, it's something that irks me a little bit about the Islanders, at least maybe the broadcast crew. I can't tell you how many times consistently we hear, well, we have so many guys hurt, you know, it's got to be the next man, man up mentality, but in the same token, you know, we're missing some important, crucial guys on our team. You don't see Pittsburgh making excuses when Crosby had to have abdomen surgery and Gensel went out for the rest of the year and Latang missed two or three weeks throughout there. They're not over there making excuses and everything like that. And again, I'm, you know, I'm being a little nitpicky here, grumpy old man. Um, but it's, it's a time of the season where every single team has injuries. The Colorado Avalanche, they were talking about the injuries that we had on our team. Colorado Avalanche are flush with injuries. And, again, you just see that they, they're easily able to replace them because they play a style where it's, again, high octane. If you could skate, you can go ahead and create opportunities. And for our style, I think you have to be a veteran grizzly type of player where you know, number one, your responsibility in the Barry Trot system and you – and you understand how it all moves in the moving parts to go ahead and make a cohesive unit. Yeah. I'm going to disagree a little bit there when teams and you're right. Colorado's lost Miko Ranton. And this is the second time this year they've lost him. Um, Kadri they've lost. Uh, they lost uh, McCarr for a while. Uh, they had, they lost Landeskog for a while, but what you look at all those players, what's the one thing they all have. They all have a lot of talent. And you can lose one or two. The other guys with that talent level are able to step up. Um, I mean, yeah, you have to backfill. You know, you have a, like for Colorado, a guy like uh, 
Burkowski, who they picked up from Washington in the offseason. He wound up picking his game up. Uh, Don Scoy wound up picking his game up. So, you know, that's what good teams were able to do. But the whole thing is they have they have such a uh, talented roster where you can miss somebody and it's not going to be as big a loss where, you know, I mean, I understand what you're saying about, you know, we lost our fourth line center and another fourth line winger. And it seems like the wheels are coming off according to uh, the broadcasters. Um, but, you know, we have less margin for error because we're not a very talented team. I mean, that's, those are just facts. These other teams are talented where we are not. So if we lose somebody who's um, a more valuable to our team, we don't have anybody to replace them. And that's those are just facts. Well, I won't speak too much on the talent on this roster, but I can say compared to your elite upper echelon teams like your Tampas, I don't think we match up with them talent-wise. Um, and I think that's a pretty accurate statement. Any reasonable fan, I'm pretty sure, can also go ahead and agree with that. But I also, you met, you forgot to mention Wilson, Colin Wilson, too. But, I mean, he again, he's a bottom six guy. But you saw multiple players on that Colorado Avalanche team that are out missing or have missed significant time. So it's a time of the season where every single team is dealing with injuries. So using an injury is the reason why we're struggling right now doesn't necessarily float with me because every single team's dealing with the same exact injuries and dealing with the same players being out. Um, that being said, we were extremely lucky last year. We talked about it on multiple podcasts over the summer. We didn't really have any injuries to key players. We lost – Thomas Hickey was the biggest injury all season long, which actually just opened up the avenue for Devon Taves to start. So I really would say it was addition by subtraction for him. That is exactly what it was. Anytime you can get Thomas Hickey off the ice has to be a positive for your team, and it certainly was for us. And by the way, Taves had a nice uh, nice goal today, um, which, well, it wasn't a game winner. It, may, it put us up three to one, uh, but it certainly gave us the breathing room where you just didn't think that San Jose was coming back. Um, and then Varlamov made a couple of nice saves uh, to keep it three to one. And it was a well-earned victory on our part. And a game, honestly, we had to win. So we had we had a lot of beautiful shots today. And I don't say that often about the Islanders. I mean, against San Jose, we picked our corners where we were hitting them off the post, the crossbar was going in, or we were hitting it up in the toy department in the right spots. We were picking our spots and we were hitting them. I really can't say that too often about the Islanders' play. That's just not something we see very often where consistently we're finding the uh, hard-to-save chances going our way. Um, and I thought today, I think Anders Lee potted a few nice goals. Devon Taves' goal was nice. We did a good job of picking our spots and we executed on them. Yeah, Anders Lee had a particularly good game shooting-wise. Uh, once again, both plays were really all Matt Barzal, honestly. Uh, the first one, first one was uh, an end-to-end rush. And what was the one thing that Anders Lee did? He kept moving his feet and kept skating, which gave him the opportunity to receive that pass when everybody converged on Barzal, dished it off to him, and it was a really nice shot. And uh, the same thing with the second goal that he scored. It was all it was on a brilliant play by Barzal also. Um, you know, hey, that's, that's what he's paid to do. You get $7 million a year. You got to put those pucks in the net. Um, but – as Mac Borzal goes, goes the Islanders' offense. It's just that's just the way it is. Well, I'll tell you this: I thought Matt Borzal looked excellent today, and you know I'm I'm the first to be critical of anybody who struggles. 
there was a time period, I can't remember exactly what play it was, but I'm pretty sure he stick handled through five different San Jose Sharks out there on the ice. And he got a shot away too. And I was, when I see stuff like that, I'm like, that is the Matt Barzal. Every single Islander fan has fallen in love with and knows that he can go ahead and execute day in and day out. The thing I like best about Barzal is he's not, um, all right, I'm going to say he. Com- I'm not comparing to this player, but he reminds me of Ovechkin in a way, not like Crosby, but like Ovechkin, where he is not afraid of the physical aspect of the game. Uh, you know, he's going to get cross-checked, he's going to get hit, and he's not backing down from the other players. That's kind of like Ovechkin is. Now, I'm, of course, they're two totally different players. I'm not saying he's out Ovechkin, but I'm just talking about that compete level. Um, Barzal has that compete level as Ovechkin does. And I'm not saying Crosby does not, but uh, I don't think anyone's going to say that uh, Crosby is tougher than Ovechkin. Well, and maybe I'll, I'll be able to verbalize it the way I picture this, what you're trying to say, grumpy old man. Some superstar and upper echelon players are gritty. They don't mind mixing it up for the good of the team, where some superstar players don't like the physical aspect of the game at all. And I feel like Matt Barzal is not a guy who shies away when he's getting body checked, cross checked, um, high sticked, anything you want to call it. He's not a guy who shies away from contact. Almost seems to elevate his play, honestly. It gets him fired up. And that's, yeah. and you're looking for a guy who can really help the team transcend when things get physical and, you know, the energy continues to build in the building. You'd like to see your guy ramp up his game. And that's something I do like about Matt Barzal's game 100%. Yeah, I, I like I said, I thought he was excellent today. I thought he was really good against Detroit. Uh, you know, today in particular, they were they two or three guys hitting him all the time. They know. I mean, you know, who's the guy you're going to cover on the Islanders? It's going to be Matt Barzal. And, but that should open up the avenue for other players. I mean, you know, that that's what it should happen. But the guys have to move their feet. They don't want to be standing around. You still see it when he's doing his thing. They just kind of stand around and watch instead of move and be part of the process. I was happy with the way Kiefer Bellows played today too, grumpy old man. I mean, he rung one, I think, off the crossbar of the post, and he had a nice opportunity and chance. I like I like what I see out of him is what I kind of want to put out there. Again, I don't think he's a guy who's going to be putting up 60, 70 points in a season, but I like what I see out of him. Well, he's not afraid to shoot the puck. Uh, you know, and so many players on this team won't shoot. For whatever reason, they just don't want to shoot the puck. I don't know what, I don't know why, but he's he gets the puck, he's going to shoot it, and we did see some of that today. Also, I didn't think I didn't think he played great today, uh, but I, I thought. It, but once again, when he got the puck, and it's just interesting how you hear the commentators talk about players. You know they're getting their talking points from management. You just know they are. He had a puck and it went a little bit. He missed. Stick handle a little bit. It went a little bit too far. He turned over. Well, and there was a turnover in the offensive zone. He's like, well, you know, he can't afford to do that. I'm like, really? I'm just, I, you know, I listen to these comments. You don't hear them saying that when Josh Bailey turns a puck over 15, 20 times a game. I'm exaggerating, of course. Or Nelson turns the puck over or anyone on the team except for the young guys. It's like the older guys get a pass and the younger guys – they're going to hammer, even like I said, even on the TV. And I'm not saying they're hammering him, but the fact that you're even mentioning a guy turning a puck over once as he's driving into the offensive zone, I just think I just think it's disingenuous. 
Well, it was Butch who went ahead and said that, and I know exactly what you're talking about because I kind of had the same exact thought process as you, Grumpy Old Man. But he did mention that he, you know, he ill afford. He can't go ahead and make those type of mistakes and turn over the puck and you know the offensive zone if he wants to stay out there on the ice. And I thought, I'm like, okay, um, don't necessarily agree with that again. But you know, neither here nor there at this time period. But I think you are right. They do get their talking points from management. They do get their talking points from the organization of what they need to hit home. I mean. I know they want to push the Andy Green narrative, how the trade's been working out. I think he's done a good job for the Islanders. I do. I don't want to go ahead and discredit how well he's done for the Islanders. I think he's done good. But uh, Brandon Burke had no problem at all pulling up the stat that, you know, he's been on the ice for, I can't remember how many of our, this many goals that we've scored since he's been traded or something like that. I think it was four of our six goals since he's been traded. I Don't quote me on that. And I'm sure it's changed after today's game against San Jose. But that being said, it, it's interesting to see. You're right, Grumpy Old Man. They seem to highlight and focus on certain things that are it, that need to be placed in the spotlight almost. Yep. And that's – I don't like that. Even from the local broadcast, um, it reminds me of years ago when Billy Jaffe was the color man. And he was critical of the Islanders. And they didn't like it. And they wound up letting him go. And now he's with the Bruins, and he's a smart hockey guy, Billy Jaffe, really smart. And the fact that they let, you know, that they didn't want him because he was critical of the team, which was a really bad team at the time, was as a fan really frustrating me. I just, I just want the truth. I don't want to hear what the coaches are saying or what type, some type of spin is. Just give it to me straight. That's me. Like I, like they say, uh, there's no shame in my game because I'm always the same. That's <laughs> the way I feel about it. Well, Grumpfield, man, we've kind of talked and covered the recent games uh, that the Islanders have coming up. I want to kind of shift our focus a little bit here towards um, the trade and everything like that, the trade talks, the trade rumors. Speaking of trade rumors, I believe it was on – It was. I knew it was during the week. It, maybe it was Thursday or Friday, Grumpfield, man. Maybe you remember what I'm talking about. Ia Sorokin was rumored to have been traded to the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, Darren Drager reported on it. Um, that he was, you know, 100% good. He was gone. You know, the trade's been reported. TSN had gone ahead and updated something, and people had screenshots of it like, oh, gosh, Sorokin's gone. The only person they had for sure was Sorokin. They didn't know who was coming back to us, who else was included to the trade, but they knew Sorokin was involved somehow with the trade. And, of course, it wound up not being true, but uh, Drager uh, announced afterwards in a tweet that, you know, his teammates apparently were under the – perceived notion that he was traded and as well as you know other russian twitter handles and he just had thought that the trade had been executed and it leads me to this point grumpy old man any sport whether you're an nba nfl it doesn't matter nhl anytime you hear there's a rumor of a trade and people say yes he's been traded or he's been involved in a trade it means he's being shopped there's no way that he has been accidentally reported as being traded without him being actively shopped. And that brings up a few different points. I could be completely wrong on this, and I don't think I am. If you look at just in general sports, whenever you're reported as being traded, you're usually actively being shopped. And if Ia Sorokin is traded tomorrow on Monday, and I pray to God he's not, given we've never seen him play. He's only played in the KHL. But again, it's rumored that for sure he's coming to the NHL next season with or without on the Islanders roster. Um, he definitely wants to go to try his hand at the NHL. 
But if they trade Ia Soroka tomorrow, grumpy old man, I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah, there's so many things to unpack with that. I, I didn't know we were going to talk about that today. That's almost because I'm telling you what, this could almost be an off-season podcast all by itself, the Ilya Sorokin with Lou Lamarillo. And, uh, I mean, I guess I'll get into it now. Um, why is his name coming up? I mean, you know, that's the whole thing. You're right. I mean, it's like, why is his name even coming up as someone who could potentially be traded? I have no idea. It makes no sense to me. But if it is, and you know, you read some of these tweets, well, he wants this in a contract. He wants that in a contract. Well, then I'm just, and if Lou Lamoureux was thinking about moving him, you don't tell me you didn't know what his contract demands were to begin with. I mean, if you didn't know, well, I'm just going to tell you what, then you didn't do your due diligence in the off season. I mean, you could have had Robin Leonard for two years at $5 million per. Instead, you go with Varlamov, I think, for five years at uh, – it's either four or five years at $5 million per. I mean, why would you do that? The whole line of thinking was, okay, well, he has the same agent as Sorokin. They're friends with Sorokin. That's why they're bringing him in. They're going to have those two split the goaltending duties. Well, it just tells me that you didn't – I mean – I'm just flabbergasted by the whole thing, honestly. It's like, why would you even think about moving him? I mean, it's just like I'm confused. Well, uh, Simone Varlamov, Steel Grumpy Old Man, four years, five million per um, when he signed it this offseason. Now, to add a little bit to what I had said earlier, remember there was a time period a few months ago when Sorokin was rumored to being wanted to have his contract and his rights traded. And they asked him about it. Uh, my friend Igor, Igor, the Russian Twitter handle that Arthur Staple does a diligent job retweeting constantly. Yes, Grumpy Old Man. And I just let me just break in real quick. Igor was in the movie Young Frankenstein. His name was not Igor. Okay, it's Igor. For those who uh, who listen to this podcast, fantastic comedy by Mel Brooks, where you know Doctor Frankenstein. Instead of Frankenstein, he says, well, you, your name is Igor. And he's like, no, it's Igor. Well, they told me it's Igor. They told you wrong. So I just I just want to let you know, D, it's not Igor. It's Igor. Thank you. Continue. I'm sorry. Well, Igor had said earlier on, remember, that Sorokin, I think a direct quote from him was, yeah, I'm shocked about it. You know, I'm reading about things apparently I said that I'd even know that, you know, were tied to me. Because this is not the first time this season alone that we've heard the fact that he – you know, maybe he's being shopped or people are thinking about shopping him. Because remember, we had that rumor pop up earlier on a few months ago. So this is not the first time we've had a rumor surrounding his name, which means I think he's definitely actively being shopped. Um, and if you want to talk about the failure of a general manager, if it comes out that Simone, or that I'm sorry, that Ia Sorokin is traded tomorrow at the NHL trade deadline, I don't care what Lou Lamarola does. He can go ahead and he could pull off a guy like Patrick Kane back in return. I don't know. I don't know who he's targeting or even from the Chicago Blackhawks. I don't know who it is. But if that turns out that he traded Ia Sorokin and signed Simone Varlamov to that four-year deal, and given he's been playing good hockey as of late, 
But in the same token, we knew what we had in Robin Leonard. Robin Leonard's had an excellent season so far this year. I know the goals against average hasn't been there, but he's also facing something like 50-some-odd shots a night. And, of course, I'm exaggerating a little bit. But he still has a great save percentage. But if you went ahead and signed an older goalie who, you know, coming out of Colorado, the numbers weren't great. He wasn't playing great hockey really since, I would say, his time back at the Washington Capitals. Um and let Robin Leonard go. We knew what we had when we had Leonard and a younger goalie. Uh, I think very talented. He's a part of Long Island. The fans loved him. But if you went ahead and signed a guy like Simone Varlamov and you didn't know 100% for sure you can have the signing of Ia Sorokin secured, that is a colossal blunder. Yeah, I give him an F for the offseason. Off I mean, I practically gave him an F for this offseason. Then I guess I'd give it an F minus. When you the only reason you were supposedly signing Varlamov, a 31-year-old girl goalie, for longer term than you would sign a 26-year-old or 27-year-old Robin Leonard, who you know was one of the better goalies last year and seemed to really love being on the island, wanted to stay there, and you dumped him for a guy to bring in Sorokin. Well, and you're right. If you didn't know what he was thinking, that's a that's a major fail on your part. Uh, like I said, I just think that Lou Lamarillo has kind of lost it at this stage, regardless of what happens at the trade deadline. I just, like I said, I'm just uh, baffled that it got to this to this point. I mean, I I cannot, I just, I can't believe they're even thinking about trading this kid. You've been talking him up for years and years and years, and then when he's ready to come over, now you're going to move him. I just, I don't get it. And but if he brought over Patrick Kane. Well, he'd be our number one left wing. I'm just going to tell you right now. And you'd see your boy average drop down in the lineup. That's for certain. Because everyone knows, and I mean everyone knows, Patrick Kane is a better player and brings more to any team than Anders Lee ever could, would, or should. Mm. Well, grumpy old man, I wanted to address the Sorokin comments you made. Apparently he's being a little bit of – I wouldn't say singe with this contract. He wants certain demands, and he wants them to be met. And I feel like if the Islanders don't meet him, then he can find somebody else in the free agent market. Because remember, he could be a free agent at the end of this time period coming up. Yes, yes. Trump, man. Yeah, see, that's my point, though. You had to know this ahead of time. You've been in contact with his agent. You know what he's wanted, or you should have, because if you didn't, you never should have made this move. That's That's my point. You had to do your due diligence. You have to know what his contract demands were going to be. Well, I look at it like this. I don't care what his contract demands are. I look at it a little differently than you, grumpy old man. If he wants six, five million per, give the kid the money. You've seen what he's produced in the KHL. I know the NHL is a different level and a different beast and a different animal. But in the same token, the kids performed, and I know he's only facing – he plays on a stack team, uh, CKSA, or well, I can't remember exactly what team it is, yeah, but he plays yeah. for – CSKA Moscow. Is, and they're, they're a stack team. They're a good team in the KHL. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, he only faces 20, 25, maybe 30 shots a night. He's not being peppered all night. He doesn't face a lot of uh, high-pressure chances or anything of that nature. But he's consistently performed. That's my thing. If he wants it, man, go ahead and give him a try. You've seen what he's blossomed into. 
go ahead and give him a try. Give him what he needs in his contract negotiation because you're not going to sign a guy like Thomas Grice back. I mean, I think the writing on the walls for him is it's already done. I mean, he's not coming back. You've got Varlamov signed long term, um, which is again, if you don't if you don't get Sorokin, that's just a blunder. Um, the Varlamov signing, and, I, and again, we'll address it. I'm sure as we know what happens more, but I, I had to mention the rumors because Islander fans they thought for sure Sorokin was gone. They were receiving a whole bunch of misinformation, um, but when you receive misinformation from a guy like Drager too, um, and maybe he was just trying to crack the story early. But it's not the first time he's been rumored to having said that he wants his rights traded or that he's being uh, very steadfast and not changing, unbending in his contract talks. And we know Lou can definitely be hard-headed when it comes to contract negotiations. I mean, look at Zach Parise with the New Jersey Devils. I mean, he's had multiple situations where he has been very hard-headed on a contract negotiation and guys have just walked. Well, I said times are different than the 1990s when Lou could strong arm these guys. That's just not the case anymore. They're not, they don't have a problem sitting out. And I'm not, I don't, I don't care what kind of money he gets. I mean, they should, but they should have known what he was asking for before you're trying to make these moves. I mean, if, if you didn't, then you didn't do your due diligence. It's just that plain and simple. I mean, that's something that he needed to know. You needed to know the parameters. Okay, what are you looking for? Yes, we can. No, we can't. You know, if you said, yes, we can, well, then, okay, the Volumar, the Volumar deal is good. But if it's no, we can't match those, well, then they made a mistake signing Varlamov. And, uh, you know, that's, that's just the way it is. I, like I said, it's just frustrating – watching it just seems i don't know it seems like whenever you become an islander general manager after bill tory it's like your brain goes soft i mean we had milbury um you know i uh, maloney i mean just i mean just just a disaster after disaster as a general manager now it seems like lamarillo's lost his mind too well i will say this Again, tomorrow could come and go, and Sorokin doesn't get dealt, and we sign him in the offseason, everything's happy-go-lucky, which is the ideal situation, which I hope is what's going to happen. I just thought it was very distressing that this is the second time this season that him, quote-unquote, wanting his rights traded or him being brought up as a confirmed trade by Darren Drager. So I thought it was very odd, and usually when your name's getting brought up, in a trade when someone tweets, yes, your rights have been traded to, you know, the, the Chicago Blackhawks, it means you're at least being shopped. It, yeah. You know, again, it might not be confirmed that you've been traded, but at least it means your name is on the table as to, yes, we're willing to trade this young man. Yeah, that's why I really didn't want to talk about it until after the trade deadline. Um, but we did, so there. Well, yeah, I just wanted to go ahead and talk about it. I mean, I couldn't omit it. It was Big Islander news. We had to talk about it, Grumpy Old Man, in my opinion. Okay. And I wanted – now I guess it's it's free reign time, grumpy old man. It's it's the NHL trade deadline tomorrow. I'm going to be glued to my phone. I don't know about you, and I will say this much, grumpy old man. Again, I'm not sure the Islanders should make any move based off of who we're seeing is available and who is quote unquote being shopped. There's nobody out there on the free agent market, I believe, that brings enough offensive pop for our team to really settle the issues and the ineptitude in the offensive zone. Well, Chris Kreider would be the only one, but I don't see the Rangers trading him to us. And I think the price is going to be prohibitive. You wonder what teams are out there. Uh, You know, they were saying that it was Boston and Colorado were two of the favorites for Kreider. 
Well, Boston just traded for um, for Kasha from um, the Anaheim Ducks uh, on Friday. So I think that kind of takes – and they what did they do? Okay, look what they did, right? They pick up Kasha, who's 24 years old. They wind up trading a prospect, a first-round pick this year, which is going to be, you know, what, 20, 28 or above. And then David Backus. And you know they wanted to get out from underneath that contract. They were able to get rid of a contract and bring up a younger, up-and-coming player to put, put play on that second line. I mean, you know, their first line is loaded. But the second line needed a little bit of help, and they bring in a kid who has uh, certainly the potential to put up points, particularly with that team and that organization. And they wound up offloading the Bacchus contract, who everyone knew when that deal was signed, that was going to wind up being a bad deal on the back end. And it certainly was. Uh, so they wound up moving him. They do have to pay 25% of his salary, but it still enables them to make another move. So I don't know if it's, I don't know if they're still in the mix for Kreider, um, but certainly another offensive piece could be coming their way. Yes. Um, Grumpy man, I guess I want to shift gears and ask you, what do you think the Islanders should do coming tomorrow? Nothing. I don't think they should do anything. I don't think that we're good enough uh, to make an extended run in the playoffs. I don't want to make any trades that are going to potentially weaken the future of the team. Um, the only type of move I would make would be for a younger player who has worn his welcome out. Maybe they another team thinks they're going to have a hard time contract like uh, uh, LeBanc, who played uh, plays for San Jose, somebody of that ilk, or maybe some of the guys for Winnipeg, uh, some of their younger players. Perhaps those those would be the type of guys I would go after: wingers, scoring wingers with some speed. Those would be the guys that I'd go after. I would not go after a rental. Um, and that, that's just what I would do. I just, like I said, I just don't think we're good enough this year. Uh, we're going to need to retool. And I, I think probably that's going to come. Uh, hopefully that comes in the offseason. I'm going to argue and say we need to restructure. Um, I, I'm sure it comes down the same bit of, as retool. Um, but if we've talked about it before. Our team's not getting any younger. Our team is one of the oldest teams in the league. Our broadcast crew mentions it about every five games. But we're one of the oldest teams in the league, if not the oldest team. And when you have so many guys who are getting up there in age and are tied to long contracts, you start looking at some troubling news in the future. I mean, Jordan Eberle had a hat trick against the Detroit Red Wings. I'm happy. He scored three goals. Anytime Jordan Eberle produces, I'm happy. But... They mentioned a very interesting fact. Jordan Eberle has scored 13 goals this season. We've played the Detroit Red Wings. Red Wings. The Red Wings? The Red Wings. The Red Wings? Yes, we've played the Detroit Red Wings three times. Six of his 13 goals this season have come against the Red Wings. I I, I mean, and I know he missed 10 games, but still, almost half of his goal production has come against one team, which is... Again, the worst team by a country mile in the NHL, arguably the worst team in the history of the NHL. They're going to have the worst goal differential in the history of the NHL. Three or six of his 13 goals have come against that team. That's not that's not too comforting for me. Yeah, that doesn't bother me as much as it bothers you. Um, and I'm going to tell you again, there have been worse teams in the NHL than this year's Detroit Red Wings. 
the Washington Capitals were brutal bad. Uh, 1971, I think the year was. I mean, ter- I think they only won 10 games the whole year. They were terrible. Um, that's neither here nor there. Like I said, in the offseason last year, I've said it 100 times, I did not want to sign any of our guys back, Lee, Nelson, or Eberly. And it wasn't because of the money. First of all, I don't think they're I think they're good players. I don't think they're great players. And they're all 20, 28, 29 years old. Those those are not guys that you build around. They're not superstars. Why are you giving them long term and money? I mean, it made no sense to me. None. And it's still that way. I mean, now you're stuck with them. You I mean, I would try to move them. Um I'd expose them to the expansion draft, particularly Lee. And, you know, I remember, you know, Arthur Staple, you know, someone commented, well, hey, why don't they let Lee go? And his excuse was that you can't lose your captain two years in a row. I thought, I thought that was the stupidest answer you ever could have given. I don't care if he was the captain. And here's the thing. Anders Lee is a solid citizen, without a doubt. I mean, but you're talking about production on the ice. He's not going to earn that production by the end of that contract, not even close. And that's what bothers me. You have other younger guys that you're going to need to sign this offseason who I thought were infinitely more important to the franchise than Anders Lee, Brock Nelson, or Jordan Everly. Well, Brock Nelson's not really consuming much of the cap space. You can argue this year he's definitely performing more than he's getting paid. And there are going to be years where he underperforms his contract, the ebbs and flows in seasons. But you're right. I don't think Anders Lee's ever going to perform at that $7 million per year type of cap hit. And Anders Lee embodies what it's like to be an Islander. And that's maybe, I think, what what Arthur Staples trying to hint at. But in the same token, I think that was a very uncouth response from him and short-sighted. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but Grumpy Old Man, I'm happy you mentioned Anders Lee. Just recently, again, the Islanders, when they played on Friday evening, the Islanders retired John Tonelli's jersey. An yeah. all-time Islander great. Uh, I thought it was a great ceremony. I loved the speech. And when I listened to it, I thought the entire time there could not have been a better moment when the Islanders, the organization, needed a speech like this. The fans, everybody needed a speech like that. I mean, really, the Islanders are kind of down and out there. Some fans are feeling a little subjected, um, definitely discouraged. But I thought that speech was great he gave. I, I, was, I was getting a little emotional watching those guys come back. I really was. And you listen to Denny Potvin talk afterwards and Brian Trottier and Bobby Nystrom and Gillies and uh, Billy Smith was there. And you just, you know, Dennis Potvin said, you know, the Hall of Fame should induct the whole Islander team into the Hall of Fame, uh, that, that Toronto should do that. And I think he's right. You, you had 16 guys who won four straight Stanley Cups. You're never going to see that again. You just aren't. I mean, you just think about how many got Bobby Bourne was on all four of those teams. I mean, they were just fantastic. And you can't – and I remember we had uh, last offseason we had underrated – most underrated Islander of all time. Mine was John Tonelli. I guess we're going to have to find a new underrated Islander because once you get your number retired and you go into the Islander Hall of Fame, I guess you can't say you're underrated anymore, even though I always felt he was underrated. I love John Tanelli. I thought he was a great player, super clutch, uh, a well-deserved honor for him. It really was. And he spoke extremely highly of Anders Lee, 
very, very highly. And, you know, a, a lot of times on this podcast, I call him average Anders and I'm critical of his play, but I'm never critical of him as a person because I think he's a fantastic person. I don't know him, of course, but you just, you just, you can just tell by the way he carries himself and stuff like that. And you hear others like old timers in the organization standing up for him. It just speaks to him as a person, which is honestly way more important than how you play hockey. Yeah, absolutely it is. I mean, when you're looking at a guy who's a great character guy, who is a leader in the community on and off the ice, I don't think there's anybody else who embodies what it's like to be a New York Islander, to be just a good, solid citizen than it is a guy like Anders Lee. He did speak very highly of him. Um, and I, I kind of want to talk about this, Grumpy Old Man. I made a tweet um, because – I cannot remember who was with um, Butch Goring, I believe, up in the booth. Maybe it was John Tonelli, or maybe uh, I can't remember who it was. Um, but well, he was Tinelli up. Was, Tinelli was up in the booth in between the first and second period. With so Ted. this this was this was after the actual ceremony. Um, oh gosh, I don't know why his name is slipping me. I can't picture him. But it was him, Shannon, and Butch. And I thought originally, based you know based off how the, the room and the atmosphere was conducted conducted of the shot, it looked like they were all in chairs. And, and it looked like they got Butch Goring a chair that was smaller than everybody else's chair. Because, you know, the way they had their hands kind of laid out in the desk, I thought they were all sitting down. Um, and It was Gillies. Okay, maybe it was Gillies. It was Gillies, and he said, the little, little guy talking about Butch. And he says, don't call him a little guy. He said, well, he is a little guy. Well, I thought they were all sitting down, grumpy old man. And immediately I looked it up and I'm like, oh, it says Butch Goring is five foot eleven. Now I've met Butch Goring a few times. Mm-mm. And I again I, I'm taller. I'm six four. I can't remember how tall he was. I only met him in passing a few times. Not like I talked a long time for him or anything like that. But I met him at an Islanders meetup. And I couldn't remember how tall he actually was. So I made a tweet about it and I'm like, the Islanders couldn't even find him a chair that was of equal height because I mean, Shannon Hogan looked a lot bigger and taller than him. Um, uh, and and Gillies looked a lot bigger and taller than him. And I'm like, wow, Butch is, Butch is sitting on like a, a toddler's chair. It looks like there. And then the next segment comes up and it's Tanelli. And I believe and maybe it was, um, I can't remember. I know Tanelli was on the set though. And Tanelli and who? Gillies, Clark Gillies. Okay, it was Tanelli and Gil- I just remember Tanelli was definitely on the set, and I noticed they weren't sitting on chairs; they were all standing. And I was like, "Oh my gosh!" I'm like, "Yeah, he's definitely no five foot eleven because unless Shannon Hogan's six three, six four, uh, I don't think uh, Butch Coring is five eleven like they list him." And it's it's so funny that you mentioned, you know, just and I'm just like I said, it was fantastic for me watching those old guys come back. That's right in my wheelhouse watching those guys and how they asked him, you know, even afterwards, I know that the Nystrom goal was, you know, the biggest one in franchise, but what was your most important goal? And he said, it was that goal. It's always that goal. And when he goes to hockey camps, he always says the biggest uh, moment of his career or the biggest goal was ever when he was assisting on that goal. And, you know, just even after all these years, it's just it was so nice to see those guys come back. And I like I, said, I love all of them. Denny Potvin, fantastic. Uh, I don't think Bossy Bossy wasn't there, which was unusual. Um, but it was so nice to see. I don't think he was. No, um, he, he had a video tribute. OK, so uh, but it was just so fantastic to hear those guys speak again. It was it was for me. 
like that it was it was fantastic you know especially a lot of people listen to the podcast are younger um they don't remember those times they don't remember those players but for me it was special watching that and i can't wait for next friday night when butch gets his number retired uh it'll be just as good yeah I, in the entire atmosphere i mean the chance of the fan my gosh i mean that does it, it gives you goosebumps and you have to figure, you know, with here up there speaking, you know, you try to go ahead and juxtapose your position with his. And you're like, okay, what is, what would it feel like? And again, the energy and the enthusiasm, my gosh, it's it's second to none. Those type of events, and that was bar none. That was that was a great event. And I'm so glad that the ceremony was at Nassau Coliseum and not Barclays. Uh, it had to be at Nassau Coliseum, and like I said, it was it was fantastic and. Uh, Tanelli gave a great speech. Um, it was it was a wonderful, wonderful night for him and for all Islander fans. Honestly, I think he paid great homage to the people. Also, you know that had positively affected him in his career. I thought he did a great job. You know, paying respects to the people who had who'd kind of helped guide him in the right direction. I mean, he seemed again. I, I've never met John Tanelli, but he seems again like a very, very. Um, he seemed like a very down to earth man who. Who, who really respects the things and the footwork that people put in place for him to be where he is. At least that's what I got from that speech. Yeah, those are that's hockey players in general, though, uh, as opposed to other sports, without a doubt. I, I feel that's hockey players in general. Um, like I said, in the, the Islanders are – it's almost like they're a community team, like the Green Bay Packers are a community team. Uh, I feel the Islanders are like that as well. It's like, you know, Long Island. It's not – you know, big city or anything like that. Like I said, it was, it was a great, great tribute and just wonderful to be able to watch that. Yes, it was grumpy old man. Um, and I, I think that's a perfect way to go ahead and wrap up our podcast. Well, I know tomorrow. I, was, do we not want to talk about some other, the games that are coming up this week? Oh no, I was going to go ahead and throw that oh, in, but okay. I thought, I thought that was to kind of, to conclude it, I didn't want to talk about any more trades or anything like that or rumors. I thought that was a great note to end on because before our next podcast, Grumpy Old Man, the Islanders are going to be playing the New York Rangers on Tuesday. So a very, very big and important game. The Islanders haven't – I mean, I, I guess the most recent game against the Rangers, they did win, but they kind of got blown out in other situations against the Rangers. The Rangers have been climbing and clawing their way up the standings. And I talked about it a few games ago. I said, yeah, if everything falls right, you know, you can kind of squint at it and see maybe the Rangers being in playoff contention. I mean, the Rangers right now are six points behind the Islanders. And if you look at it, they are only four points out of a playoff spot. Again, I don't think the Rangers are making the playoffs, but they've been playing really great hockey as of late. Um, I mean, they're eight and two in their last 10 games. They've been playing good hockey. Yeah, they're playing really, really well right now. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, especially if they move Kreider. Um, but their young players are starting to perform. Uh, that game worries me. And then uh, later in the week, uh, these this is a tough three-game stretch for the Islanders, I'll be honest with you. We got the Rangers Tuesday, Thursday the Blues at, at St. Louis. And you know they're not going to lay down after we beat them earlier in the year when they had us locked down. And then we play the Bruins. And those are those are going to be three tough games. I, I'm glad we only have to talk about if we're going to win or lose this first one. And I'll let you uh, make your prediction first. Uh, yeah, Grumpy Old Man, I think we beat the Rangers. I do. I know they've been playing well as of late, and they're hot. 
we, you know what, actually, I'm actually penciling us in for a loss. Wow, what a foot flop I just had. Um, but you I mean, go office. I, that's what I was about to say. I'm, I'm actually going to go ahead and put my name uh, for political office down. Um, but the Islanders have always played well against Henrik Lundqvist. We all know they're not going to be playing Henrik Lundqvist in net against the <laughs> against the Islanders. Um, I cannot remember his name. Is it Georgiev? It's somebody else has been taken over for the Rangers. It's not Georgiev anymore. Huh. And I wish I could tell you his name off the top of my head, um, uh, but I can't. He's been super hot. So I, I don't remember. His, I, offhand, I just don't remember his name, but he's been off the chain good for them uh, with the last 10 games. He's been really, really good. I'm going to butcher this name, but I've got it pulled up. It's Shetchikorv. I have some, no – Jorgen, I have no idea. It, it sounds like a Russian name. He is. Yeah, yeah, he is. And I'm sorry that I didn't remember his name. That's on me. Yes, Jorkin. I think that's probably the most phonetic way I could pronounce that. I'm sure I've still butchered it. Uh, that being said, the <laughs> Georgiev plays really well against the Islanders. I wouldn't be shocked if he gets his a start. Name, his name is Igor uh, Shastikin. That's what it is. Oh, okay. Well, I definitely mispronounced that name. I knew it was going to butcher a grumpy old man. It's Igor. Igor's his first name. But he's 9-1. and one. He's been fantastic. Yeah, so uh, they might just continue to ride the hot hand. I I wouldn't be shocked. But Georgiev does play really well against the Islanders. Um, I, I do pencil us in for a loss uh, because I, I think they're probably going to actually start Georgiev, maybe give um, the other young man, Igor, a little bit of time off um, and maybe give him a chance to rest his legs perhaps because Georgiev does play well against the Islanders. But I, I – I pencil us in as a loss. I think he's played really well, even if you date back to last year against the Islanders. Yeah, I have that feeling too, unfortunately. And that's not a good one to have. I mean, you know, we get through we get through the Rangers here, and we do face a few tough games in a row. But there's a stretch, grumpy old man, in March, which is really going to make or break the Islanders. I mean, and I don't want to look too far ahead, and I know we might be getting off here a little bit, but if you look at March 7th, we play – the Carolina Hurricanes. On March 10th, we play the Vancouver Canucks. On March 12th, we play the Calgary Flames. On March 13th, we play the Edmonton Oilers. On March 15th, we play the Pittsburgh Penguins. On March 17th, we play the Calgary Flames. On March 19th, we play the Toronto Maple Leafs. Every single one of those teams are in playoff contention. Every single one of them. That is going to be a rough, rough, rough stretch for the Islanders. Well, like I mentioned the one thing that Islander fans have to look forward to, it's going to be playoff hockey the rest of the way. The rest of the regular season, we're going to be battling every night. These other teams are battling for playoff spots too. So it's going to – everyone's going to be going for it, and it's going to, it should lead to some really good hockey. We can only hope, and hopefully it's going to be in, uh, in benefit of the New York Islanders. That's right. Well, Grumpy Old Man, I want to thank you, as always, for being on the podcast. Is there anything else you want to go ahead and add in before we wrap things up? Nope, my pleasure as always, and if the Islanders do make a move, hopefully it's for a younger player who can be there long term. We need to say our prayers, uh, all Islander fans out there listening. Um, well, you know, Actually, the funny thing is, based off of when this is released, I mean, the, the trade deadline might even be over based off the time when I post it, um, but it's... It's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting twenty four hours for the Islanders. Islander fans, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Buckle up. I know there's gonna be certain sects where no matter what the Islanders do, there's gonna be people upset. If the Islanders do nothing, 
there are going to be people who complain. If the Islanders do too much and they go ahead and buy in on some rentals, people like myself on the Grumpy Old Man will be upset. So there's there's no way to win for Lou Lamarillo if you look at it in that manner because there's always going to be a certain sect of Islander fans who are going to be upset. You're never um, going to make everybody happy, period. That is true. making me happy, that's all I care about. <laughs> Well, I want to thank you for being a part of the podcast, Grumpy Old Man. I want to thank the Hockey Podcast Network. Again, we're very thankful for them. They allow us to go ahead and have this podcast on multiple different platforms. Whether you're listening on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple iTunes, Stitcher, Google, it doesn't matter. We have the podcast on multiple different platforms. Wherever you listen to your podcast for, the Hockey Podcast Network has a way to go ahead and find our podcast. So very thankful for them. And and thank you so much, Grumpy Old Man, for being on the podcast. I know I mentioned it, but... You know, it, we're getting now towards a later time period of the season. We've been podcasting for the first time ever twice a week, which it might not sound like a lot to a lot of guys, but I mean, it does take a lot of time. It's time consuming. And I want to thank you, Grumpy Old Man. You haven't missed a podcast yet. I want to thank you for being a part of the podcast. Oh, no worries. No worries. But thank you, Grumpy Old Man.